In 2014, Scott Alexander, the author of Slate Star Codex, wrote Meditations on Moloch, which you can find in the show notes, and this turned into a video by Liv Bori. Hello, gorgeous. My name is Moloch. Moloch. <laughs> now, you might not have heard of me, but you've most certainly felt me. For I am the force behind fortune, the power behind progress, and the shaper of all success. And what a success even you could be, if you just listen to me. For I alone know what it takes to win, to be the most adored and the most beautiful. And you do want all those things, don't you? Yes. Well, listen close, because there are things you can do to tweak reality. Weapons you can use to crush your enemies. And you better use them, because if you don't, your enemies are going to use them to crush you. I want to win. You see, in the end, the world wants winners, not losers. And life, it isn't just a game, it's war! Okay, uh, so today I want to talk about beauty. And specifically how new technologies on social media are changing our relationship with it. Because even though we've been using all kinds of tricks to make ourselves look hotter for thousands of years, it feels like it's getting extra intense lately. Like my Instagram, for example, at the moment, is just serving me up endless streams of insanely hot, sort of Kardashian-faced, beautiful women with perfect makeup. Not to mention a ton of plastic surgery recommendations. Thanks, algorithm. And if that's not enough psychological torment for you, now we have these AI-driven beauty face filter apps to contend with. And I mean, just look at this shit. You can feed it with the most horrific photo with no makeup, bad lighting, you name it. And with one click, bam, it'll turn you into the hottest possible Hollywood version of yourself. It's like glamour on steroids. And unsurprisingly, these apps- So you may think that Moloch is about beauty, and in a way, it kind of is. But beauty is a surrogate for success, and everyone's interested in success. And there's the argument here that is expanded upon in Lex Friedman podcast with Bifori. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to Moloch. What's Moloch? You you did a, a great video on Moloch and one aspect of it, the application of it to one yeah. aspect. Of Instagram our beauty filters. Through <laughs> <laughs> very niche. Uh, I wanted to start off small. Um, so uh, Moloch was originally um, coined as, well, so, so apparently back in the, like, uh, Canaanite times, it was this ancient Carthaginian, I can never say it, Carthaginian, somewhere around like 300 BC or two, 200 AD, I don't know, um, there was supposedly this death cult who would sacrifice their children to this awful demon god thing called, they called Moloch um, in order to get power to win wars. So really dark, horrible things. And it was literally like about child sacrifice. Whether they actually existed or not, we don't know. But in mythology, they they did. And this god that they worshipped was this thing called Moloch. And then, it, I don't know, it seemed like it was kind of quiet throughout history um, in terms of mythology beyond that until um, this movie Metropolis uh, in 1927 talked about um, this. You, you see that there was this incredible futuristic city that everyone was living great in. Um, but then the protagonist goes underground into the sewers and sees that the city is run by this machine. 
And this machine basically would just like kill the workers all the time because it was just so hard to keep it running. They were always dying. So there was all this suffering that was required in order to keep the city going. And then the protagonist has this vision that this machine is actually this demon Moloch. So again, it's like this sort of like mechanistic consumption of of humans in order to get more power. Um, And then Allen Ginsberg wrote a poem in the 60s, um, which incredible poem called Howl about this thing, Moloch. Um, and a lot of people sort of quite understandably take the, the interpretation of that he's, uh, that he's talking about capitalism. Um, but then the, be- like the sort of piece de resistance that's moved Moloch into this idea of game theory uh, was Scott Alexander of Slate Style Codex um, wrote this incredible one. Literally, I think it might be my favorite piece of, of writing of all time. It's called Meditations on Moloch. Everyone must, must go read it. Uh, and I say Codex is a, is a blog. It's a blog, yes. We can link to it in the show notes or something, right? Um, no, don't. <laughs> I, I, yes, yes. But I, I like how you, how, how you assume I'm, I have a professional operation going on here. I, 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 I shall try to remember. To... What do you <laughs> What do I want? What do you want? You want? You're giving the impression of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll like, please. If I if you I don't, what? please somebody in the comments remind me. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll help. If you, you don't know this blog, it's one of the it's best so blogs good. ever. Probably, yes. you should probably be following it. Yes. Um, Are blogs still a thing? I think they yeah. are still a thing. Yeah. yeah, he's migrated onto Substack, but yeah, it's still a blog. Um, anyway, Substack better not fuck things up. But I hope not. Yeah, yeah I hope they don't. I hope they don't turn Moloky. Yeah. Which will mean well, something to people when we well, continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I stop interrupting for once, no, no, go, go, go on. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so he writes he writes this this piece, Meditations on Moloch, and basically he analyzes the poem and he's like, okay, so it seems to be something relating to where competition goes wrong, and you know, Moloch was historically this thing of like where people would sacrifice a thing that they care about, in this case, children, their own children, uh, in order to gain power. A, a competitive advantage. And if you look at almost everything that sort of goes wrong in our society, it's that same process. Um, so with the Instagram beauty filters thing, um, you know, if, if you're trying to become a, a, a famous in, uh, Instagram model, you are incentivized to post the hottest pictures of yourself that you can. You know, you're trying to play that game. Um, there's a lot of hot women on Instagram. How do, how do you compete against them? You paste, post really hot pictures and that's how you get more likes. As technology gets better, um, you know, more makeup techniques come along. Um, And then more recently, these beauty filters where like at the touch of a button, it makes your face look absolutely incredible um, compared to your natural, natural, natural face. Uh, These, these technologies come along. It's everyone is incentivized to to that short term strategy. Um, But over on on net it's bad for everyone because now everyone is kind of like feeling like they have to use these things and these things like they make you like the reason why i talked about them in this video is because i noticed it myself you know like i I was trying to grow my instagram for a while i've given up on it now but um yeah and i noticed these filters how good they made me look and i'm like well i know that everyone else is kind of doing it subscribe to liv's instagram (laughs) please so i don't Uh, have to use the filters (laughs) (laughs) uh post a bunch of yeah make, make make it blow up uh so yeah, yeah it's it's but the, there was, you felt the pressure actually. Exactly. You the, these short-term incentives to do this like this thing that like either sacrifices your integrity or something else um in order to like stay competitive um which on aggregate turns like t- creates this like sort of race to the bottom spiral where everyone else ends up in a situation which is worse off than if they hadn't start, you know, than it were before. Kind of like if um like at a at a football stadium 
Uh, it, like the system is so badly designed, a competitive system of like everyone sitting and having a view that if someone at the very front stands up to get an even better view, it forces everyone else behind to like adopt that same strategy just to get to where they were before. But now everyone's stuck standing up. Like, so you need this like top down God's eye coordination to make it go back to the better state. But from within the system, you can't actually do that. So that's kind of what this Moloch thing is. It's this thing that makes people sacrifice uh values in order to optimize for the the winning the, the game in question the, the short-term game but this this Moloch, do you, can you attribute it to any one centralized source or is it an, an emergent phenomena from a large collection of people exactly that it's it's an emergent phenomena it's it's a force of game theory um it's a force of bad incentives on a multi-agent system where you've got, you know, Prisoner's Dilemma is technically a kind of Moloch-y you know, system as well, but it's just a two-player thing. But um, another word for Moloch is multipolar trap, um, where basically you've just got a lot of different people all competing for some kind of prize. Um, and it would be better if everyone didn't do this one shitty strategy, but because that strategy gives you a short-term advantage, everyone's incentivized to do it, and so everyone ends up doing it. So the responsibility for... I mean, social media is a really nice place for a large number of people to play game theory. And so uh, they also have the ability to then design the, the, the rules of the game. And uh, is it on them to try to anticipate what kind of, like to do the thing that poker players are doing to, to run simulation? Ideally, that would have been great if, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack and all the, you know, the Twitter founders and everyone, if they had at least just run a few simulations of how, their algorithms would, you know, different types of algorithms would turn out for society, that would have been great. That's really difficult to do that kind of deep philosophical think about, uh, thinking about humanity, actually. So not, not kind of this level of how do we optimize engagement or what brings people joy in the short term, but how is this thing going to change the way people see the world? How is it going to get morphed in iterative game played into something that will change society forever that's that requires some deep thinking that's i hope there's meetings like that inside companies but i haven't there seen aren't. them there aren't that's the problem and and it's it's difficult because like when you're starting up a social media company you know you're aware that you you've got investors to please there's you bills to pay um you know there's only so much r&d you can afford to do you've got all these like incredible pressures and bad, you know bad incentives to get on and just build your thing as quickly as possible and start making money and you know i don't think anyone intended when they built these social social media platforms and and just to like preface it so the reason why you know the social media is relevant because it's a very good example of like everyone these days is optimizing for you know clicks um, whether it's the social media platforms themselves, because, you know, every click gets more, you know, impressions and impressions pay for, you know, uh, they get advertising dollars or whether it's individual influencers or, you know, whether it's the New York Times or whoever, they're trying to get their story to go viral. So everyone's got this bad incentive of using, you know, as you called it, the clickbait industrial complex. Um, that's a very mollicky system because everyone is now using worse and worse tactics in order to like try and win this attention game. Um, and, yeah, so ideally, these companies would have had enough slack in the beginning in order to run these experiments to see, okay, what are the ways this could possibly go wrong for people? What are the ways that Moloch, they should be aware of this concept of Moloch and realize that it's 
any, whenever you have a highly competitive multi-agent system, which social media is a classic example of millions of agents all trying to compete for likes and so on, and you try and bring all this complexity down into like very small metrics, such as number of likes, number of retweets, whatever the algorithm optimizes for, that is a like guaranteed recipe for this stuff to go wrong and become a race to the bottom. I think there should be an honesty in founders. I think there's a hunger for that kind of transparency of like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. This is a fascinating experiment. We're all running as a, hum as a human civilization. Let's try this out. Yes. And like, actually just be honest about this. That we're all like these weird rats in a maze. Not, none of us are controlling it. There's this kind of sense like the founders the CEO of Instagram or whatever, Mark Zuckerberg has a control and he's like, like with strings playing people. No, they're- He's at the mercy of this like everyone else. He's just like trying to do his best. And, and like, I think putting on a smile and doing over uh, polished videos about how Instagram and Facebook are good for you, I think is not the right way to, uh, to actually ask some of the deepest questions we get to ask as a society. Right. How do we design the game such that we build a better world? I think a big part of this as well is people, there's this, there's this philosophy, particularly in Silicon Valley, um, of, well, techno-optimism. Technology will solve all our issues. And there's a steel man argument to that, where yes, technology has solved a lot of problems and can potentially solve a lot of future ones. But it can also, it's a, always a double-edged sword, and particularly as you know, technology gets more and more powerful. And we've now got like big data and we're able to do all kinds of like psychological manipulation with it and so on. Um, it's technology is not a va values neutral thing. People think, I used to always think this myself, it's like this naive view that, oh, technology is completely neutral. It's just, it's the humans that either make it good or bad. No, to the point we're at now, the technology that we are creating, they are social technologies. They literally dictate how humans now form social groups and so on beyond that. And beyond that, it also then, that gives rise to like the memes that we then like coalesce around. And that, you know, if you have the stack that way where it's technology driving social interaction, which then drives like mimetic, uh, mimetic culture and like the, which ideas become popular, that's Moloch. Mm -hmm. And the, we need the other way around. We need it. So we need to figure out what are the good memes? What are the good um, values that we think are, we, we need to optimize for that like makes people happy and healthy and like keeps society as robust and safe as possible? then figure out what the social structure around those should be. And only then do we figure out technology. But we're doing the other way around. And, you know, like, as much as I love, in many ways, the culture of Silicon Valley, and like, you know, I do think that technology has, you know, I don't want to knock it. It's done so many wonderful things for us. Same with capitalism. Um, there are, we have to, like, be honest with ourselves. We're getting to a point where we are losing control of this very powerful machine that we have created. Can you redesign the machine within the game? Can can you just have, can you understand the game enough? Okay, this is the game. <laughs> and this is how we start to reemphasize the memes that matter. The, the memes that bring out the best in us. Uh, you know, like the way I try to be in real life and the way I try to be online is to be about kindness and, mm -hmm. and love. And I feel like I'm, sometimes get like criticized for being naive and all those kinds of things. But I feel like I'm just trying to live 
within this game, I'm trying to be authentic. Yeah. But also like, Hey, it's kind of fun to do this. Like you guys should try this too. You know that. And that's like trying to redesign some aspects of the game within the game. Um, Is that possible? I don't know, but I think we should try. Uh, I don't think we have an option but to try. Well, the other option is to create new companies or to pressure companies uh, that, or anyone who has control of the rules of the game. I think we need to be doing all of the above. I think we need to be thinking hard about what are the kind of positive, healthy memes. Um, uh, you know, as, as as Elon said, he who controls the memes controls the universe. Um, he said you, that. I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, there's truth to that. Yeah. It's very there is wisdom in that because memes have driven history. You know, we we are we are a cultural species. That's what sets us apart from chimpanzees and everything else. We have the ability to learn and evolve through culture, yeah. as opposed to biology or like you know classic physical constraints. And that means culture is incredibly powerful and we can create and become victim to very bad memes or very good ones. Um, but we do have some agency over which memes, you know, we, we sub- but not only put out there, but we also like subscribe to. Um, so I think we need to take that approach. We also need to, you know, because I don't want the, 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 you know, I'm making this video right now called The Attention Wars, which is about like how Moloch, it, like the media machine is this Moloch machine. Uh, well, is this, is this kind of like blind, dumb thing that where everyone is optimizing for engagement in order to win their share of the attention pie? Um, and then if you zoom out, it's really like Moloch that's pulling the strings because the only thing that benefits from this in the end, you know, like our, our information ecosystem is breaking down. Like we are, you look at the state of the US, it's in, we're in a, we're in a civil war. It's just not a physical war. It's, 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 a, it's an information war. And people, people are becoming more fractured in terms of what their actual shared reality is. Like truly, like an extreme left person, an extreme right person, like they, they, they literally live in different worlds in their, in, their, in their minds at this point. And it's getting more and more amplified. And this, this force is like a like razor blade pushing through everything. It doesn't matter how innocuous a topic is, it will find a way to split into this you know, bifurcated culture war. And it's fucking terrifying. Because that maximizes attention. And that's like an emergent Moloch-type force right. that takes any, anything, any topic, and cuts through it so that it can split nicely into two groups, one that's... Well, it's, it's whatever, yeah. It's, it, it, all everyone is trying to do within the system is just maximize whatever gets them the most attention because they're just trying to make money so they can keep their thing going, right? Yeah. And the way, the, the, the best emotion for getting attention, in, well, because it's not just about attention on the internet, it's engagement. That's the key thing, right? In order for something to go viral, you need people to actually engage with it. They need to like comment or retweet or whatever. Um, and... Of all the emotions that, uh, you know, there's like seven classic shared emotions that studies have found that all humans, even from like un, un, previously uncontacted tribes have. Um, some of those are negative, you know, like sadness, uh, disgust, anger, etc. Some are positive happiness, um, excitement, and so on. The one that happens to be the most useful for the internet is anger, because anger is it's such an active emotion. If you want people to engage, if someone's scared, and and I'm not just like talking out my ass here, there are studies here that have looked into this. Um, 
whereas like if someone's like disgusted or fearful, they actually tend to then be like, uh, I don't want to deal with this. So they're, they're less likely to actually engage and share it and so on. They're just going to be like, Ugh. whereas if they're enraged by a thing, well, now they're like that triggers all the like the, the, the old tribalism emotions. Um, and so that's how then things get sort of spread, you know, much more easily. They, they outcompete all the other memes in the ecosystem. Um, and so this like, the, the, the attention economy, the, the the wheels that make it go around are is rage. Um, I did a you know a tweet. The the, the 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 problem with raging against the machine is that the machine has learned to feed off rage, because it is feeding off our rage. That's the thing that's now keeping it going. So the more we get angry, the worse it gets. Um, so the Moloch in this attention, in in the war of attention, is constantly maximizing rage. What it is optimizing for is engagement, and it happens to be that engagement. Um, is well propaganda. You know, it's like, I mean, it just sounds like every everything is is putting is, is more and more things are being put through this like propagandist lens of winning whatever the war is in question, whether it's the culture war or the Ukraine war. Yeah, I think the reason that knowing about Moloch is relevant for all creators is that we're all engaged in some some form of game, and that form of game is self serving. It dehumanizes us. And it dehumanizes people who don't well, do well for, in service of the game. And it's something that we should all understand. Uh, the typical response is, don't hate the player, hate the game. But you have to play the game because there's no other game. 